Hello, and welcome to another episode of Endeavors. Today, I speak with actress and director Amy Jo Johnson, whose second film behind the camera is Tammy's Always Dying. As well, Becky Ann Baker talks filming in Italy for the bold short film Night Fire. That's coming up on Endeavors. You're listening to Endeavors Radio with your host from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Dan McPeak. Hello, welcome to the show. Hope you are all doing fine as we enter week seven here in quarantine. We have two guests on the show today. You probably know my first one from her long-running stint as Kimberly Hart, the Pink Rangers, on the iconic TV series Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Since then, she has guest starred and starred in numerous other films and television shows, including uh, a starring role on the Canadian hit TV series Flashpoint. In the last five or so years, she has moved behind the camera and in 2016 came on my show to talk about her debut feature as writer and director, The Space Between. Now she has directed her second film, um, but the first one that she did not write. Uh, it stars Felicity Huffman and Anastasia Phillips, and it is called Tammy's Always Dying. The, writer, the director of the film is Amy Jo Johnson, and I spoke with her not too long ago. Here's our conversation. Amy Jo Johnson, uh, what, a, what a great film. How, how are you do, doing today? I'm good. I'm doing really good. I'm doing a bunch of press because the movie's coming out next Friday, May 1st, which is very exciting. Um, gives me something to do right now <laughs> in the middle of all this. It's nice how, to have that. How, do, how does it feel having, having an art piece released in sort of this global situation that we're all in? Yeah, you know, the movie was set to come out May 1st in theaters um, and just shifting gears to have it come out VOD quickly, um, I think was the right decision because I think people are looking for something to do with their time right now. And I do think, you know, the movie, as dark as it may be at times, also has some levity and some light to it. And and I think it's a movie that a lot of people can identify with. Um, so I'm pretty proud of it and, and, I'm, and I'm happy it's coming out right now, yeah. Uh, I know this is the second feature you've directed, but you didn't, you didn't write this one. Um, what was it like for you directing somebody else's script. Yeah, it was 
an amazing journey for me. So I met Joanne Sarazen, who's the writer um, at the Canadian Film Center. That's where I, I went for six months to focus on um, directing. And, and she was there writing the script actually. And so that's where I first heard the script. And I just responded to it on such a cathartic level. I found it so funny and so sad at the same time. Um, I have a father who's a non-functioning alcoholic who suffers from depression. So he is basically a, a male version of Tammy <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, and so I asked Joanne if I could make her movie. And, and she said yes. And it was... It was very interesting for me because yeah, it was the first time that I directed something that I didn't write. So crawling inside of it and figuring out how to make it my own um, was liberating in a lot of ways, actually. It was nice to have Joanne on set. It was nice to um, have her sometimes in the editing room. And we really created this great um, respect for each other. And she was very, very kind like she would have made a different movie right it must be very hard for writers to let go and let somebody take their baby and then like make their own vision of it um i lo i loved that pro process i would do it again for sure the film i think is is very funny in in, in a morbid sort of way um why do you think people are, are so attracted to sort of things that are very dark but have have humor in them um, I have a bunch of things going on in my head, but first of all, that's, that's like Joanne's sense of humor is very, is very wicked. She's a wicked sense of humor and I do as well, but not as wicked as hers. <laughs> and that's what I loved about her writing. But I, I love as a filmmaker to take dark, heavy subjects and, and then to find the humor in there because most of our lives deal with some dark, heavy subjects. I think... I think we all can identify with so much of the film in different ways that, I don't know, as a filmmaker, those are the stories I want to tell. I want people to try and, you know, maybe somehow feel a bit normal by watching and then also maybe find hope. I think a big message of the movie is letting go. Um, Felicity Huffman plays Tammy uh, in, in the film and she's not an actress who's afraid to dumb herself down uh, physically anyway. As a director, what kind of conversations do you have with your actors about the physicality of a character? Yeah, she was, she was pretty incredible. So first of all, we were so blessed to have her um, jump on the project and, and sign on board. Um, she fell in love with the script and I flew to New York and I met with her. And you know, she says, I have a few questions for the writer and for you. And once we figure that out, I need to know quickly because if we're shooting in October, it's, I think, end of July right now. Like, I have some work to do. I was like, oh, what is she going to do for three months? But she did. She was shooting some other stuff. But as soon as that was done, she grew out her hair, all the great, like, she just, she got these teeth and she was very brave. She's like an actress who just gives it her all, which was pretty great to have her come to this, you know, production in Canada, small and trust us and also bring her A game. So it was pretty great.
and I know you actually worked with one of the other actors at Olanike. You you two worked together on on Flashpoint. Um, what was that like for you working with one of your co-stars in a directing capacity? Um, I love Olanike. I think she's a hoot. She's so fun. Um, I just wanted her in the movie because I like to be around her. And she's fun to have on set and she's also fun to have at a premiere. <laughs> like she, she's a, she is a personality. And, and it, was, it was an easy transition. Um, she was so, you know, respectful and, and, and she just showed up and was like, what do you want? Let me know. So it was, she was really great. You know, we, we, we mentioned the, the humor of the film, but, you know, when we found out the significant event that happens, there, there is a bit of a, a, bit of a tonal shift. As, as a director, how do you find that, that delicate balance, you know, without ruining your, 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 your tone and your story too much? It's a journey, and it's a big journey in the editing room. Um, you know, the assembly of the movie at the start of Brian Atkinson was the editor and he assembled the entire film, which was very, very long. And he really nailed the tone within that assembly. And then we went through a huge journey of trying to narrow down the movie and then finding the story with bringing it down to only an hour and a half and maybe getting lost a little bit within it becoming too dark of a movie and too dramatic. And that's not the story I wanted to tell. I really, really need that humor in there. So it's palpable so that people can watch it and people walk away feeling um, inspired in some way. Um, so that was a journey. I, at one point we were so lost. I actually took the whole movie. I took the assembly and I took where we were at and I put it in my iMovie and I just chopped it up to rediscover and find the humor again within it and then brought that into the editing room and then we sort of worked from there as a roadmap in a way. Um, but I think tonally when you're dealing with heavy, heavy um, subjects and want it to have a bit of humor in it, it is very tricky. We see a lot of reality shows about, you know, dysfunctional families, toxic relationships, but your, yours has a very, you know, human, human element to it. What is, what is the attraction for, for people who, you know, why are we so into seeing these types of relationships, do you think? Um, I think because most people come from families like that, you know. Um, it's a story about a, a girl who is a, a caregiver to her mother. And, and I, th I think a lot of people have that in their lives or dealing, you know, my mom passed away of cancer. So, you know, having a family member get sick and, and, and go through that. I, there's just so much within the film that I think is universal and so many people go through the, this stuff. What was the, the, what was the beginning of the question? Oh, uh, just know how, how your film has, you know, it's a very human way of depicting dysfunction oh. and, and, and toxic relationships because, yeah, you know, we see it's that raw. on TLC all the time, but, you know. It, it's, a, it's a very raw film. And I think that those relationships can be very raw. And, and that was in Joanne's script that is definitely still within the movie. You know, speaking of, of Raw, how do you 
get your 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 lead actress comfortable with the idea of being nude on camera? Oh, that's just Felicity. That woman is a force. She she is one of the ballsiest people I've ever met. She comes on set and demands respect in in an amazing way that makes everybody rise to the occasion. And that was a, a very intimate and and pretty um, probably scary scene for her to do. And she just did it. You know, we made the set, you know, as small as possible and we're very respectful and um, and yeah, I love that scene. You're talking about the bathtub scene, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's such a good scene because the writing in that is just so, again, wickedly sad but funny at the same time. And she does the whole scene nude, you know, in the tub. And, and it's very, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, brave of her, but vulnerable. She's very, very vulnerable in that moment. And, and I think it's a beautiful moment in the movie. You know, I, I, I was struck by, by similarities between that film and what we see now because there's a lot of economic uncertainty in these times and there's also a lot of economic uncertainty for Catherine and, and Tammy. How do we cope with death during times of economic sort of uncertainty? Yeah, you know what, honestly, how do we cope with death at any time? I've lost my mom. I feel like I've almost lost my dad because he's, you know, been missing, you know, being present in anybody's life for a long time now. And and grief is, you know, it comes in waves and it's a roller coaster. But I do find that also within someone's passing, there can be a lot of beauty and a lot of, um, I don't know, blessings that sort of come from that at the same time because it's, it's such a giant, it's the end for somebody onto the next phase that there's beauty that surrounds it. And I guess, I guess right now that's what a, a lot of us are doing is searching for the beauty that is still existing in the world right now. What struck me as really interesting is that this film is almost about the ethics of keeping someone who alive who, who doesn't want to be. Um, how, how did you play with that idea? Yeah, I think I think the film, you know, at first, I mean, it's a it's about a woman who threatens to jump off a bridge once a month to keep her daughter tethered to the town that they live in. But when she finds out she has cancer, she realizes that she doesn't really want to die and then has to go through that transition of accepting the fact that she's going to die. Yeah. And 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 then Kathy having to let go of her. Um, yeah, I, I think it's all, all of the, the stuff within the film I think is very delicate. And it was, you know, we shot it and, and just really played around with the performances and what we were giving. And then a lot of really defining the story came in the editing room, which I think it does a lot, a lot of times. Speaking of, of transitions, you've made a very great transition from actress to, to director. Um, how, how, how has that journey been for you, especially in this era where there's really a push for more female films and, and, and female filmmakers? It was, it's been the easiest transition ever because I have always, I didn't love being an actress. Um, I think I found myself a bit of a lazy actress because I didn't love it. I was a bit insecure. 
And as soon as I directed my first short film, I was like, oh, all the passions inside of me came up and I was just like, ah, this is all I want to do. So my passion for filmmaking and writing and directing and collaborating with the DP and the production designer and the writer and all of it is makes me so happy <laughs> that I don't miss acting at all. I, I know you still do, uh, I mean, do you think you'll still do it occasionally? Like, I know you did a couple of uh, small roles in a, like Space and Time, which came out earlier this year, who I, I had a chance to talk with, uh, with Sean. Yeah, actually, Joanne Sarazin, who wrote Tammy's Always Dying, has written a script called Conception, and she wants me to play the lead in it, and she wants to direct it, which I find that's so fun to collaborate with her in that way, and 100% would I play that role. Yeah, for sure. So I'll so I'll I'll act if it's something special. My uh, my favorite line in the film is you you can never see what's broken in in a happy person, um, which is said at the end of the film. Why is it harder? Do you think to detect problems in people who have this cheery facade, if you will? Yeah, you know my I think my sister does that a lot. She she is the happiest, most um, inspiring person you'll ever meet. But I know that a lot of the times inside, she's absolutely breaking inside. Um, I think people have born with barometers, right, of, of their level of happiness and where, where they sit at. And we kind of fluctuate around our barometer. Um, and and yeah, and some people's barometers are like up here, even if they're really sad, they just walk with this like vibrancy and this joy um, that may not actually be as honest as, as, as it could be. I couldn't have noticed, but in, in the thank yous and the credits, you thank um, Xander Berkeley and, and Sarah Clark, who are two um, great actors as well. How, what was their involvement in this project, if at all? So Xander, I did a movie with in Bulgaria God, 15 years ago and I hadn't seen him in a long time and I reconnected with him in Toronto and him and Sarah became really dear friends and actually a week before I went into prep for Tammy I went to Maine they now live in Maine on a farm and I went and stayed with them for a week because I was really kind of petrified um, embarking on this giant you know, mountain I had to climb with this movie and finding my way in. And I, I spent some really good quality time with Xander and he did a lot of pep talking. And I walked away after the end of that week, like really ready to shoot and believing in myself and what I had to offer. He was a mentor. Um, I just want to ask in, in the era of reboots that we're in, um, have you been asked to be in the reboot, reboot Power Rangers, or is there talk of a, of a reboot of Flashpoint? Oh, wouldn't that be fun? I would love to do a reboot of Flashpoint. That I would, I would act again for. Um, no, there's no talk of that. Um, I've seen some rumors going around on Twitter about the reboot of, or the, the remake of, of the Power Rangers, or the new Power Rangers movie, whatever it may, may be, nobody seems to know. But I, I have not heard a word. I would do it, why not? I think it'd yeah. be fun. I loved the last movie, I thought it came out great. Dean Israel, the, the director, I thought he did a great job. Yeah, and, and you had a small cameo in that one, right? I did, really super small. If you blink, you'd miss me. <laughs> um, I, 
Well, I wanted to ask about the the film ends with the, this young girl dancer who you sort of piece together is the younger version of of, of Kathy. Um, where what what went into that? Because it, it it seemed it was such a unique way of ending of ending the film. Yeah, you know that came during prep. I was just trying to figure out what happens after that ending. You know, I don't want to say it, what it is, but what happens there and. And then I just thought, what if we see a younger version of Kathy, like young Kathy, just dancing with all the hope and joy before, before her mother, you know, really started to affect her or emotionally abuse her. And um, the little girl, Chloe, actually was at my daughter's dance studio. And so I asked her mom. And I had her mother read the script first and then let me know if she was okay and wanted uh, Chloe to be in the movie. And they said yes. Finally, you know, whenever there's a subject matter of cancer, in a way we kind of know what the ending is going to be at the end for that character. So how much of it for you is the journey of getting there? Yeah, I mean, if you look at Tammy's journey and where she does end up, you never would have guessed from the beginning, really, you know, or would you? I don't know. But the whole movie is is that. I guess that's what making a movie is, <laughs> right? Yeah. Figuring out how to get to the end as smoothly and as gracefully as possible. <laughs> well, uh, the film is Tammy's Always Dying, uh, and it comes out on VOD May the 1st. Yes. Amy Jo Johnson, it's such a great little film. Thanks so much for, for joining me this afternoon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a, yeah. have a good day. Stay, stay safe in, in lockdown. Okay. You too. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was my conversation with actress and director Amy Jo Johnson, whose second film as director, Tammy's Always Dying, starring Felicity Huffman, is available Friday, May 1st. Uh, and is available on the following Canadian platforms, Rogers, Bell, Telus, Shaw, Sastel, Kojeko, iTunes, Sony PlayStation, MTS, Microsoft Video, and Google Play. My second guess is an actress who has been in the business for close to four decades. She has featured in such TV shows as Frasier, Star Trek Voyager, Freaks and Geeks, Storm of the Century, The Education of Max Bickford, Life as We Know It, Law and Order, all My Children, Kings, Nurse Jackie, Smash, Person of Interest, Elementary, Law and Order SVU, The Good Wife, Girls, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, The Good Fight, Blacklist, Brockmire, Big Little Lies, Younger, Katie Keene, and Hunters. Her feature Film credits are equally as long and include War of the Worlds, 
A Simple Plan, In and Out, Men in Black, Jacob's Ladder, Lorenzo's Oil, Blue Steel, I'm Not Rappaport, Two Weeks Notice, Spider-Man 3, Table 19, The Chaperone, and After Class. She is in a new short film, Nightfire, uh, in which she co-stars opposite her husband, uh, acclaimed actor Dylan Baker. Uh, they got to shoot on location in Italy back in the summer of 2016. The film is available May the 1st on Amazon, and this is my conversation with Becky Ann Baker. Becky Ann Baker, hello, good afternoon, thanks for being here today. Well, thanks for having me, thank you. Uh, so you're in a new uh, short film called Nightfire, um, and then I know you you uh, appeared with this uh, in this with your husband, Dylan Baker. Um, what was that experience like for you, get, getting to work with him like that? Um, well, we're, we're really lucky. We've been married 33 years and been together like 35. So we've gotten to work together a lot in our uh, careers, and um, both as actors and also my husband has directed me in a number of things, uh, stage and film. But um, so it, it's great because you have a kind of shorthand together. You know, you don't have to over-explain things. And um, and the acting part together is, is way fun. It's uh, a, a lot of fun to, to do things together. So we always look forward to it. And this was a special labor of love with Brando Benetton, the director. And uh, you, you actually got to shoot the film in Italy where, where it largely takes place. What's it like yeah, shooting on location a, a in, in that? In, in what's right. it like shooting on location in that capacity? It was amazing. Uh, it was uh, Verona, Italy, uh, which is also Brando Benetton, the director's hometown. Um, so uh, it, we shot mostly in the um, old part of the city, uh, ancient, you know, antiquities, uh, 500-year-old buildings. And um, I think um, the film really shows Verona as a character in the entire film. It's, it was just beautiful. Uh, we shot in um, January, and we were actually there on New Year's Eve, and we were staying up on a hill and we could see all the fireworks on New Year's Eve from all the different villages around the uh, around Verona. It was really a beautiful sight. There was a lot of you know explosions, guns, car chases in the film. And although <laughs> you you don't necessarily have, are involved in those scenes, what's it like for you as as an actress and, and as a film watcher to to be involved in in something like that? Well, it's it's. I think it's why every actor gets into this business in the beginning. Is it's you know you can't wait to like you know uh, be in a car chase or get blown up or uh, be shot. At, you know, um, wear squibs and pretend to die. It's really some of the most fun we do. Um, I didn't get to do much of the action in this one, but I always tell young actors to stay ready because you never know what you're going to be asked to do. Um, but there are lots of zip lines in this film and explosions, and it's a lot of fun. Were Were you ever worried for your husband at all? Because he he has some he has some physical stuff. 
He does. He has lots of physical stuff. Uh, no, you know, uh, Brando is such a terrific director. Everybody was very well protected, but it was really fun to watch them zip lining and doing all kinds of, you know, flips and flops. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you get to share a lot of your scenes with another great actor, uh, Bradley Stryker, who, who, who plays the U.S. ambassador. Uh, what, what was your relationship like working with him? Oh, we had such a great time. I didn't know Bradley before this film um, at all. He's a, I think he works mostly in L.A. and we're always in New York. Um, but we all got to know each other very well. It was a, a small group and um, uh, he's just terrific. I, I like his work so much. How, how would you describe your, your, your character of Diane? Well, Diane is um, assistant to the American ambassador to Italy, which is Bradley Stryker's character. And um, I think she's uh, very efficient and, uh, you know, very capable and, um, uh, and, and is, uh, you know, um, uh, a terrific uh, assistant. She doesn't have a whole lot to do in the movie, but it was so much fun just being in Verona and being, you know, on the set and watching everybody work. There's a lot of, you know, politicking going on in, in this film and a lot of secrets and about who is who and what is the truth. Why is sort of espionage and that whole area, why is that so intriguing, do you think, to, to, to film goers? And audiences. Well, it's, yeah, it's always a crowd pleaser. I think, you know, people like to be, um, you know, uh, they have their um, sense of thrills, you know, watching someone else get in trouble and run and be chased. And it, it kind of lets us let out, you know, this great exhilaration of, you know, what the action is, is doing. Um, but they're always crowd pleasers, this kind of film. Um, it's, it's always so much fun to be, you know, thrilled by a film like this. It, it struck me when I was watching it, it, it brings up the idea of morality and, and, and blind, lo blind loyalty, especially with, with, with the two other soldiers. Have you, after making this film, have you thought about what her heroism is or, 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 or what that word means to you? Well, I think we're living in a time where we really see what courage truly is and heroism. I think, um, you know, w right now we're all kind of uh, trying to live up to our own uh, courage and, and kind of, you know, hopefully find a better world when we're on the other side of this virus. Um, and I think, the, you know, Brando's film... Uh, you know, is a, a kind of glorified, you know, way of um, showing heroism as well. I mean, it's it's a lot of, uh, you know, action-packed thriller espionage fun. You know, it's funny. I I understand this this film was shot a, a couple couple years ago in Italy, but it, it seems yeah, it seems actually very very timely with with sort of the the political back and forth and forth and, and everything that's going on. Um, I agree. Do you think that's coincidence? What? Why do you think certain movies come out at certain times? Well, it's interesting. I always think that there's so many stories that are told again and again and again because um, we never really learn our lesson, and those same uh, you know stories are still being worked on. Um, you know, uh, political intrigue, and you know people trying to um, 
figure out who's doing what to whom. And, um, you know, unfortunately, we, we never seem to learn the lessons. And so we're always telling uh, similar stories. Um, and sometimes we just see them in a different way and hopefully recognize, you know, more and learn from them more. You know, a, a lot of actors and artists either, you know, become political activists or, 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 or get involved in politics in a certain way. Has that ever been right. something that's interested you? Oh, yeah. My husband and I are very, very political. I think I think what happens is that actors are the storytellers of the community. You know, we're the ones that if it were back in the day of a, a big hunt, you know, around the campfire, uh, you know, the actors would be the ones telling the story of what happened on the hunt. And, and like that, we are still telling the stories of our communities. And uh, so I think in light of that, um, it's only right that actors are, are wildly political because those are the stories of our community. Do you, you know, given that you're both artists, but you're also married to each other, do you ever discuss your performances or, or your work with each, each other, especially when you work together on the same project? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We, um, we, uh, we just did a TV show that uh, Al Pacino had the lead of called Hunters. And Dylan had a huge part in that, a, a really bad guy. And, um, uh, you know, uh, we, all of our scenes, my, my part in it, um, all of my scenes were with Dylan. So it was, um, and it's a wildly uh, interesting look at um, what was happening in this country during the uh, Jimmy Carter administration. So, of course, yeah, we, we discussed all the ins and outs of that show and, and any other show we've done as well. You know, speaking of, of bad guy, I'm, I'm curious as to whether you received the whole script for Nightfire right away, because we don't really know the ending until about the last 30 seconds. Like what, what truly I happens. Know, I know. It's a really big twist at the end. Yeah, we did. Brando had sent it to us, you know, um, intact. And uh, But it's a lot of fun at the end. I mean, you don't want to give away any surprises, but there is there are some a number of surprises there. Do you do you do you like that as an actor? Do you like being able to to receive the whole script at once so you can understand the arc of the character? Or you know there are other directors? Yeah, where... Absolutely, absolutely. You you know um, it's fun sometimes when you get a whole script to read just the scenes you're in first, so you know what you don't know, and then go back and read the entire script and learn what your character might not know um, that hasn't been revealed. And uh, it's it's always one of my favorite ways to do it, is to get the script, read my stuff first, and then go back and read everything else. So I, I literally, you know, understand what my character might not know about. Uh... And I know that, uh, you know, this is advertised as a short film because it's 40 minutes, but we always occasionally see shorts being expanded into uh, a feature. Has there been any talk from from Brando about maybe uh, extending this into a full-length film at all? Boy, I would hope so. It would be so much fun to go back to Verona and and try to reshoot some or try to shoot some more uh, interesting things, ideas about this film. Uh, we would be on board any day. Uh, it was that much fun. Uh, and I know you also um, are actually in another uh, film that's coming up uh, on Netflix called called The Half of It. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, I, 
what what was that like for you? The the because the, the Netflix experience seems like it's a whole other world. Right. Um, that was another terrific shoot. Uh, another young uh, filmmaker, writer, director, and um, we shot that one in New York City. And uh, again, just a very creative process. I loved the script so much. Um, what do you make? You know, your your film Nightfire obviously comes out. Uh, I think on VOD first uh, of May. But with, right. with with this time that we're in right now, we're, we're all sort of trying to find new ways to, to communicate and, and to entertain and, you know, and keep sane. How, how is art, how is film going to help us through this time, do you think? Well, I think especially this one, uh, Nightfire, is just like, you know, high voltage entertainment. And I think it's a terrific escape, uh, a nice... Um, fun diversion from, you know, being inside and sheltering inside and trying to, uh, you know, uh, stay optimistic about this virus. I think uh, Nightfire is just a, a wonderful distraction and very entertaining. Um, and I think that that's a lot of what we need right now. Is, I mean, streaming's obviously, you know, o- overtaken, I guess, traditional mediums for a while. But how how do you think this situation is going to maybe alter how we consume, if at all? Uh, you know, it's an, that's a terrific question. I think we're going to learn a lot uh, from this virus. Um, I'm not sure so much about how we watch television and film, but, well, yeah, maybe more about film, because it's going to be hard to go back into theaters for a while until we have a vaccine. So it may be that uh, films are presented more like Netflix, where we're you know, watching movies on uh, our uh, home screens for a while until we can actually go back and sit next to each other. You've uh, you've worked in the business for for so many years, and you've had so many great performances. What are what Thank are some of, what are some of the things that you still want to tackle as a performer? Oh gosh, um, you know it's funny. I always think about the thing I was working on right before we all had to uh, stop working, and I was shooting a, um, a little epi- a couple episode arc on the, the TV show Billions. Uh, so I've been thinking a lot about that. Um, one of these days we'll get to go back to work and uh, actually finish it. Um, but, um, you know, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of one of those actors that really just sees what's right in front of them. And um, I'm not sure what I'm hoping for in the long term. More, more terrific writing is what I always look for. Uh- I know your husband's directed it all. Is that an interest of you at all to, to direct something, even if it's just a, an episode of a TV series? You know, I've never uh, thought so much about directing. I'm more one of those actors that likes to see the whole picture from uh, the actor's perspective. But I, I do like to write. So I think not so much directing, but maybe writing eventually or, or somewhere along the line. I really enjoy that part of it. Could you see a you know time maybe where where you write a film and you know your your husband either directs it and or and or stars in it and keep it like a like a family That's affair a type of thing? That's a great idea. I like that idea. I, you know, have to be honest. I don't think I've ever thought of it, but maybe I'll now that we still have a few more weeks left in New York to shelter. Maybe I'll start something like that. How by the way, how how is the situation in New York? Well, you know we we live typically in this New York City. Um, but my husband was doing a play that closed uh, March 8th, 
and we came up to a house that we have up on the Delaware River about two hours out of the city to kind of just kick back for a couple of days, and that's when all of a sudden, you know, all the theaters were closed, and they asked us to shelter in place, so we've been up here for almost seven weeks now um, in what is um, our kind of our weekend getaway, and uh, luckily, it means we're in a very rural area where we can ride bikes and take walks and not run into anybody. So it's it's actually been, um, you know, uh, really nice. Uh, the If we had to, um, you know, go through all this, it's been a nice place to do it. Well, uh, the film Nightfire, I believe, is on Amazon May 1st, if I'm correct. Oh, yeah, I, believe, I think May 1st is the release date, yeah. Yes, and then uh, half of it is uh, released next week on Netflix, is it, I think? Oh, I don't know. You know, I don't have information about that oh. one, but I, uh, again, I just think it's a terrific film, and I can't wait to see it myself. Uh, Nightfire is a, uh, also a very terrific film, and I encourage uh, all the listeners to check it out uh, if you have an Amazon Prime account. Uh, Becky Ann Baker, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Thank you so right. much. Thanks right. for everything. Stay stay safe Bye. over there in New York. Thank you. You stay safe as well. Alrighty. Take care. Bye. Bye. That was my conversation with actress Becky Ann Baker. She co-stars in the great new short film, Nightfire, which is available on Amazon May the 1st, she stars opposite her husband, Dylan Baker, as well as Bradley Stryker. That does it for me today. My thanks to Becky Ann Baker, and my thanks to Amy Jo Johnson. Tammy's Always Dying is also available May 1st. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next time. Goodbye for now. Artists like to have a lot of sex. <laughs> <laughs>